0: Everyone, uh, I just remembered my daughter lost a tooth last night, and the tooth fairy didn't come. I just remembered that. And this time I'm going to tell her that the tooth fairy is a boy, and it's not a girl's fault. The timing was off. We, I'm going to tell you, we are the worst tooth fairies. Uh, in our family, we have the worst tooth fairy ever. How about that? We have the worst tooth fairy ever. Uh, He always forgets to come. (laughs) Uh, Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I wish the tooth fairy wasn't even a thing. I don't like that. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, good morning, everybody. Uh, At the beginning of this year, uh, I shared with you all that we had sort of three different goals for this year that we were going to go after. Um, One of them was prayer. We wanted to create more opportunities for prayer for us as a congregation. Um, And we've done that. We'll continue to do that throughout uh, but as the year goes on. Another one, Uh, was that we wanted to pick some global partners, and we're gonna do that in the fall. We're gonna go through a process as a congregation to sort of say, hey, who do we wanna come alongside, uh, invest in financially, but also invest in relationally, globally, and that, I I wanted to make sure that that wasn't just a decision that I made on my own and said, this is who, but we as a community, as a congregation, we're gonna prayerfully consider who is it that we wanna um, partner with globally. The third one um, that I shared with you about was that uh, one of our goals was to develop an outdoor community space in the front area right off the bike path. I don't know if you remember that, uh, but that was one of the things that we wanted to do. Uh, we were, as I've been listening to the community, one of the things in talking to people in the community, one of the things that I'm hearing again and again is that Clarksburg is a place with a lot of houses, but not a lot of infrastructure to make it a home. And so there's not a lot of community spaces. There's not, you know, we don't have a town center. There's a lot of things that are missing in terms of having spaces for people to congregate and gather together to build relationships with one another. And that's particularly true when it comes to the adolescents in our community. So middle school and high school students, Um, unless you have a car and can leave this place to go to some of the neighboring spaces, there's just not a lot of places for them to engage with one another. And so we've been sort of dreaming, what would it look like to create a space using our property right off the bike path that's within walking distance of 4,000 middle school and high school students? Right? So what does it look like to develop that space? And as we've been dreaming of that and talking to other people um, about what that could look like and and bouncing ideas, we begin to think of a place uh, that's outdoors that has um, sort of fire pit areas for s'mores and things like that, picnic tables, uh, yard games, um, maybe eventually an outdoor stage so that they can do musics and gatherings and things like that. Um, And we also recognize that in our culture, uh, food is a huge component of gathering together and so we've been dreaming about what does it look like to convert uh, the downstairs section in the building, uh, the garage building, what used to be the garage, into a cafe. And so we've been dreaming about these things and sort of uh, talking to people in the county to figure out what does the permitting look like? what does the licensing look like? who would we need to hire? what does that whole thing look like? How much would that cost? And uh, I'm excited to announce that like things are moving. like I can't tell you we're like, yay, that's good.) <laughs> I can't tell you a date. we're breaking ground on this day, but I can tell you that there are plans that are being developed and things that are happening. Um, There's two individuals that we've hired in a part-time capacity in order to help move these plans along. One of them you already know, it's Alicia Bloomfield. She has led worship with us for a couple years now, and she's actually coming on part-time to continue the work that she's been doing in worship, but also to develop community service projects for our students in the community. Um, so if you're not aware of this, MCPS requires students to complete a certain mu- number of community service hours um, every year. And we thought that this would be an amazing, incredible way to engage and build relationships with students who wouldn't necessarily ever be interested in coming into the church, but that we could say, hey, we've got projects that you need to complete, and we want to help you complete them in the in the in the in the long. The, the process of that build relationships with them the other reason why this is so important and needed in the Clarksburg community is there are very few there are very few community service opportunities for Clarksburg students that are here a lot of them they have to drive to and leave the community and what that creates in the developing uh, mind of an adolescent is that in order to volunteer in order to help in Uh, help community, you have to leave the very community you live in and go somewhere else to do it, which is a dangerous thing because it creates a lack of ownership for students to say, this is my place and I'm going to take care of it. And so we want to help make that happen and we want what is um, the outdoor yard area to become a hub of community service for students in our community. So Alicia actually already has been planning 12 different community service opportunities uh, between July and September um, that are going to be completed. Um, and and it's really, we're really, really very excited about that. And in the process, we're hoping that we'll have an opportunity to build relationships with both each other, as well as, as the students who engage in those. Um, so we're super excited about that. The other person that we've hired part-time is a woman named Saran Toby, and She is going to be our cafe manager. Uh, now, you might be thinking, we don't have a cafe yet. Why didn't we already hire somebody? There's a lot of legwork that it's going to take in order to get that up and running. Um, and she actually was the owner and creator of a uh, cafe in Germantown called Provisions Cafe. Uh, and she actually came on staff Uh, in order to help us get this up and running. And so she's in the process of creating our business plan, as well as our uh, cost analysis and our menu, figuring out who our suppliers are, as well as figuring out our permitting needs and our licensure and all of those sorts of things, figuring out how all of that is gonna work. Um, So we're really glad to have her on the team because she has a lot of experience. Provisions Cafe, for her, In its essence, was all about creating a community experience from who she bought her food from, how she served her customers, and how she hired and treated her team. So we're very excited about the compilation of this partnership um, that's happening. So in the next few weeks, we're probably going to have more details for you about what that looks like. And but I did want to every week that goes by, I'm like, oh, I really they need to know about this exciting thing that's happening. So I just wanted to tell you it's happening, and we're really excited about it. Uh, So um, we are. Our hope and our prayer uh, is that this will be a space that will bless and love our neighbors um, and, that, and that it would bless and love you all too, that you would have a space to engage with one another as well as people in the community. And, and the real vision is that this would be like a little piece of heaven that has touched earth. So. Really, really excited about it. Um, so we're going to dive into our scripture this morning. I'm going to give you a little heads up. Uh, at the end of our time where we are uh, talking about the scripture, we're actually going to create some uh, space and, and, and room for people in the congregation to share. Um, to share about the ways that they've experienced the love of God. And hopefully the reason why we're doing that at the end of the services is, is bec- will become clear as we look at the scripture that we're in. Um, Our passage today is from the end of chapter 3 in the book of Ephesians. Um, The letter of the Ephesians was written by a guy named Paul, who was a follower of Christ, and he wrote it while he was in prison. And he wrote it so he could continue to share the good news about the love of Jesus and encourage all of the followers of Jesus. So when we're looking at it, it's really important that we look at it as a historical document, that it has a historical context, but the reality is, is that it's also written to all Christians, all followers of Christ, for all times and all spaces. And so it's written to us. It's about you, and it's about me. Now, we've already spent about four weeks working our way through this passage, and we're only at the end of chapter 3, so you can imagine. we're not, It's not a snail's pace, but maybe like a turtle on a little a uh, race car or something i don't know but but we're, we're trying to, we're not going too fast but we're we're going to get there um and as we've looked at it over the past couple of weeks what i'm hoping you've grasped is that when we look at scripture we have to be very careful to not just say oh this is the verse and outside of any of the context it's written in this is what the verse means We really need to understand how the writers in Scripture are building their greater argument, sort of what they're talking about in context to understand what any one particular thing means. And what Paul does in the book of Ephesians is actually incredibly important to understand. He sort of builds a little foundation, and then he's like, okay, y'all got that? All right, great. Because of that foundation, let me lay the next principle. All right, you got that? Okay, because of that, let's talk about the next thing, right? So if we jump all the way to chapter three without understanding what happened in chapter one and two, we could easily take something out of context. We have to understand what he's already laid, and because of that, here's this, and for that reason, here's this. And so the first layer that we really looked at when we were looking at chapter one was he saying, listen, listen, I want you to understand that God has blessed you. Remember this? In Christ, God has blessed you. He's chosen you. He's adopted you. He's forgiven you. He set you free. You are now the treasured inheritance of God. And he laid that as the foundation. And then he moved to the next thing. He said, listen, and once that's solid, you can understand this next piece. I'm not praying for your circumstances to change. You don't need your circumstances to change. What I need you to understand is that whatever circumstances you're in, that you would be drawn closer to the presence of God, that you would know the power that is in you that raised Christ from the dead. Because you've already been blessed. You don't need your circumstances to change. You need to draw close to God. And he says, okay, once you get that, let me add another layer. The reason why it's so incredible that you have been raised to life in Christ is because, remember, you were once dead. You were once like the walking dead. You were once zombies. You were once slaves to your own selfishness, and the powers uh, sort of had mastery over you. They sort of took the selfish decisions that you made and then wreaked havoc in the rest of the world with those, but those who trust in Christ were invited with him in his death, and they are now brought to life in Christ's resurrection, we are now alive, and we are now free, and all of that is a gift. There's nothing you could have done to earn it, and nothing you can do to keep it. And then Paul says, and then here's the next letter la- layer to all that. And we looked at this last week, that although that resurrection power happened to you individually, when it happened to you, there's some great big implications in terms of how that affects all of us we are a new humanity we're a new family that christ has torn down the walls of hostility that separated every tribe every nation and every tongue all of those are gone and we are now united in the diversity of this family we are a new humanity we're a new family which is the church and here's the real powerful thing that we ended with last week. We talked about how God didn't do this just so we could be one big half the family. He didn't just do it. There was a purpose to it. His whole purpose was that this united family that is, uh, covers every tribe, nation, and tongue would actually announce to the powers that God is wise and that God is love. That the existence of this diverse, unique family that has different skin tones, cultural viewpoints, languages and accents, and believes that belonging to God, belonging to Jesus is bigger than anything else, actually announces the wisdom of God to the powers that are in this world that seek to destroy it. The existence of this family, who can sort of say like, I'm a sinner and I'm saved by grace. And they are too. And I might not like the food that they eat. And I might like, not like their voting preferences. And I don't understand why they talk the way that they do. It kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. But probably I come off that way too. And I'm really, really glad that Jesus saved all of us. The ability to do that is a direct challenge to the powers, to the rulers and the authorities of this world that, might have, this, that have this unseen influence in our already selfish choices, right? See, in this family, in the church, in God's family, the powers don't get to define what happens here. The things that divide us and break us out there, the things that cause us to abuse one another and take advantage of one another, they don't get a say in here. All that gets a say in here is that God's love and his grace is saving and renewing all of us. And that's God's vision of the church, and that's what Paul is talking about. Now, this is a big deal. And so then, Paul's like, okay, everybody got that? Let's let that wet cement, like let that solidify. Okay, now we go on to the next thing, and that's what we're diving in today. Paul doesn't disappoint as he builds on this thread. He says, listen, because we are now this new family, there's really, really big things at stake, really big things at stake. And so Paul gets on his knees and he says, now I'm going to pray for you again. And so if you want to join me, we're going to be in chapter 3, verse 14. And we're going to read through 19. What Paul says is this, for this reason, for all the things we just talked about, because we're this big united family, for this reason... I kneel before the Father. Now, you have to understand, kneeling wasn't, for prayer wasn't normal in the ancient world. You stood for prayer. That's how you prayed. When you were kneeling for prayer, it meant that you were throwing your whole body into it, right? You were begging, begging God for something. For this reason, I throw myself at the mercy of the Heavenly Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray, and Paul's gonna name three things that he's praying for. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Now, what is Paul saying here? Uh, why does he feel like this is so important that he feels like he's got to stop everything, his whole argument, and say, no, 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 I need to make sure you've got this next piece. Why does he throw himself on his knees and say, you've got to get this. This is what I'm praying for you. So let me explain it with a story. There once was a woman, uh, and she was just kind of maybe a middle-class woman. She didn't make a lot of money, but she could always make ends meet. Like, it was fine. And one day, her uncle died, and she got news that her uncle had left her a certain amount of money in an account. And she knew about the account, but she really didn't think that he had that much money. He had that much when he died, and so she never really looked into it, and she continued to just live her life as it was. And then one day, several, several years later, the woman got sick, and she lost her job, and she struggled to keep her car running and a roof over her head. It got so bad that she actually had to make some really difficult decisions about, do I feed my car, or do I feed myself? How am I gonna do this? As the season passed, she got through all of it, but there was a letter that came in the mail to remind her that she had this account that no one had ever looked into and she had never really done anything with. And as she looked into the account, what she found was there was a huge sum of money in that account. It was hers, but she had never drawn on the account. She had never used any of it. And as she was thinking back, she was like, oh my gosh, All of those years where I couldn't even feed myself and my car at the same time, I was actually rich. I actually had everything that I needed, but never actually lived as though I was rich. I lived in complete poverty. And that's why Paul is praying this prayer. Because Paul knows, as he's just described, every single one of us who is in Christ Is spiritually rich but he's praying this prayer because he knows that there is a huge temptation for us to continue to live like we are poor like we don't have anything you and I have the Holy Spirit we have the power to live spiritually rich lives but so often we don't draw on that account that is ours and then we live in this spiritual poverty And the thing is, is that I fear that he's right. Like if your spiritual life ever looks sometimes like mine does, this is exactly what it looks like. We get filled up on Sunday. We get hyped up with this new understanding of who God is. And then we head out and live the rest of our lives feeling unloved and unempowered and no different than we did before. And so what Paul's prayer is, is it's demonstrating that this problem isn't something that's happening because of the circumstances of our lives. It's because we don't draw on the power that we have. And he's praying, I'm hoping you're going to wake up to how rich you are. I'm hoping you're going to wake up to how great this thing is. So we're going to look at the three things that Paul prays for, and we're going to try to understand them a bit better. But before we move on, what I want you to do is I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I just want you to share if you've ever experienced that way where you sort of felt spiritually poor, spiritually depleted, like you didn't have the power of Christ, even though you may have known Christ. So share about that with somebody next to you. I'm just going to give you two minutes. All right, ready? Go. Make sure you include the people. All right, 30 more seconds. All right. All right, so here is the first thing that Paul prays for you. If you answered, yes, I feel that. That is a real thing for me. This is what Paul prayed for you 2,000 years ago, right? This is what he prayed for you. And this is a prayer that should be in our hearts for each other as well. This is what Paul's praying. He says, first, I'm going to pray that you would be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, what's really interesting about this is that, like what we learned in chapter 2 is that as a follower of Jesus, Christ already dwells with us. So it's strange to me that Paul is praying for followers to have the strength that Christ would dwell with them when, as followers, Christ already dwells with them, right? He's praying that the people would have something the people already have. So what is that about? And in fact, all three of these things Paul prays for is the exact same thing. Paul declared earlier in the chapter, like, listen, uh, you already have Christ dwelling with you. You already know the love of Christ. You already have the power with all the saints, right? But... Paul prays for it again, so why does he pray for the people to have something that the people already have? It goes back to that bank analogy, right, the account. Yes, Christ dwells with you, but does he dwell with you in your innermost being, Paul wants Christ to become so real and so tangible and so present that he is real and tangible and present as the actual people that are right around you. Like, go ahead and, like, poke the person next to you. Right? Paul wants Christ to be as real and present and dwell in your innermost being that is that real to you. Now, this is where this gets me, and perhaps you can relate to this. I know that Christ loves me. Like, I know that Christ loves me. I know that he has created me just as I am. I know that he has been given me authority through his spirit. But sometimes the truth that Christ loves me isn't as real as the criticism from the person sitting across from me. Right? Like, that feels way more real than Christ's love for me. And what Paul is praying for is that Christ's love for you and he would dwell so deeply in you that that would be as real, if not more real, than the criticism of the person that sits next to you, of the criticism that's in your own head. That's what Paul is praying for. And then the second thing he prays for is this that you would be rooted and established in love that you may grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. Now, the word that's used here, grasp, sounds like, like ah, oh, I grasped it. But actually, in the original language, it has nothing to do with like grabbing something with your hand. What it has, it's actually a war term. It's like a violent war term. It means to sack and seize a city, right? That you would grasp the we- uh, depth with length and height of God's love, that you would sack and seize the city of God's love, that you would understand it at the depth of your being. What it is, is it's more like this wrestling that's happening, this war that's happening within you. And it's not a wrestling or a war with God. It's not wrestling him, it's, it's like wrestling your own self that you would sack and seize this understanding that you would wrestle with your own self and your own soul. It's much similar to in the Psalms when the psalmist says, Rejoice, O my soul. It's like a preaching to your own soul. It's like when the psalmist says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? What Paul is saying is like, Will you meditate? Will you grasp? Will you understand? Will you wrestle it into your innermost being, the depths of God's love for you? And to be able to do that requires a certain spiritual sensitivity. When Zach and I were in college, uh, we were art majors, and he took a photography class. And at that time, uh, digital photography was on the rise. It wasn't like what it is now, but it was on the rise. But in this photography class, you were not supposed to use a digital camera. That was cheating. In fact, for a lot of photographers, that's still cheating. But instead, you had to use film, and then you had to go into a dark room and develop it onto photosensitive paper. Now I still people have explained to me how like cameras work. Uh, I still think it's magic. Like, but what I'm told is that the film and the paper are are uh, sort of sensitized with these chemicals. And what happens is, is when you take that camera with the film in it that is sensitized with a chemical and it sort of opens the shutter and sees an image of a tree, the film grasps that image of a tree and it becomes imprinted on that film. And then when you go into the dark room, you take this photosensitive paper and you uh, display that image onto the paper and the paper grasps that image. It becomes imprinted on there. And I think that that is the degree to which Paul is talking about here. He's like, listen, I'm praying that your innermost being, your spirit, is so sensitized to the love of God that when you sense it, when you see it, you can grasp it and it imprints on you. Right? That it is stuck there. See, there are times where we hear about God's love and how much he loves us, but it doesn't grip us. It doesn't stick with us. It doesn't dwell in us. And there's a degree to which um, we need to become sensitive and sensitized by the Holy Spirit so we can hear about God's love, that we can hear about his wisdom, that we can hear about his goodness, and that it would grip us. It would sack our hearts and become so real That it's like sitting right next to us. That it overpowers the criticism in the world. It overpowers the influence of the powers. It changes everything. That's Paul's prayer. And then he prays for this third thing. He says that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. That we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul is praying that you would know the love that surpasses knowledge that doesn't make it know something that surpasses knowledge right if we think about this paul is talking about something more than just knowing something in our brains right we can know a fact about something but not really know it right Uh, on the white table there's these little sticks make sure everybody grabs one of those y'all need one okay grab one of them sticks Okay, inside this stick is a little bit of honey. Now, you may know that it is sweet, but what I want you to do is I want you to bite one tip of it, if you can, and taste it, right? Okay, so you knew in your head that it was sweet, but when you sensed it, when you experienced it, when you tasted it, you said, whoa, that's sweet. That is hurting my teeth sweet, right? And that's what Paul is talking about. Not that you would know like head knowledge that is sweet, but that you would sense it, that you would experience it. See, the second that you move from knowing to sensing, you're like, oh, now I really know. Now I really got it. There's a difference between having an opinion that God is gracious and loving and having a sense of God's grace and his love gripping our innermost being. Just as you can be sure that something's sweet but never have tasted it, you can know God's love but never have actually experienced it. And this is why the psalmist doesn't say, believe that the Lord is good. <laughs> the psalmist actually says, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, Paul is praying for us because he knows that it's possible for us to know that God's love is high and wide and long and deep. But not to actually have sensed it. Not to actually have experienced it. But he wants us to have encountered it so that we would really really know it. Know it so much that we are filled with it to the point that we are overflowing. That it's overflowing in our lives. Not that we're just filled with a feeling of God's love or a knowledge about God's love, but so filled to have experienced it that it overflows into our actions and our behaviors and our choices and our whole life, how we treat others and everything. There's this reason that Paul is praying this for us because we need this and then paul does this last thing in verse 20. he concludes it with this now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in christ jesus through all generations forever and ever amen that's this last part of the prayer Now, this is a great example of a verse that's taken out of context, Ephesians 3.20, to him who's ever able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, right? I remember growing up in youth group, this verse was always preached as like, this is how it was always done. And when we did this, I knew what was coming. It was always preached as like, close your eyes and imagine something that seems impossible, that your greatest dream would come true. Close your eyes. And then this verse would be read. He can do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine see whatever it is that you imagine god could do for you he can do more right i mean yes he can but that always gave me the sense of that god was some sort of genie in a bottle that like whatever i wanted god was there to provide for me so all i had to do was dream it and it will come right speak it into the universe and it will happen No, no no no. that is not what paul is talking about here that's not it at all In context, what Paul is saying is he's talking about what Christ has already done for you and me, that he has destroyed the wall of hostility and he's brought us into this family of God so that we can be drawn close to God. That he has said he's loved us so much that he sent his own son to become vulnerable and killable so that we can be a part of the family of God. This is a demonstration of how much, how high, how wide, how deep is the love of God for us, and that is immeasurably more than you could ever ask for or imagine. God has done it. He's done it. No one thought that that would happen. No one did. And so what Paul is praying for us is that we need everything that Paul is praying for. We need the power to grasp the love of God. And Paul tells us that in verse 18. He says, listen, the best way to do this is to do this together. It's to do this in community. It's to do this as it was done for the whole church, with all of the saints and all of the people. Community is the best way for us to grasp and sense the love of God. And so what we're going to do actually right now as an act of worship is we're going exper- to hear experiences of the love of God. Right, Because sometimes we can know it, but sometimes you're just stuck in a pit and like you, you don't feel it. You, don't, you haven't sensed it. But what is helpful is in the community, there's others who have. There's others who have experienced the love of God recently. It's surrounding them right now. And what can be so helpful for us when we don't sense it is to hear how others are experiencing it. And so we're going to take an opportunity to sort of um, invite people to share stories of God's love in their lives, of demonstrations of God's love in their life. And so here's the question I'm going to ask, and then anybody can come up, and there's a microphone here, and you can share about your experience having sensed this. So the question is, when did you not just know the height, depth, width, and length of God's love, but sensed it? or experienced it. Now, we've done this sort of thing before where we have an opportunity for um, people in the congregation to share, and uh, uh, sometimes nobody shares, and that's fine. Like, no pressure, no, hey, God didn't show up if nobody shares. Like, we're just going to remove that right now. This is just an opportunity for us to encourage one another and share what God is doing in our lives. The other thing I want to say is that sometimes the way we can feel is like, oh, I don't want to share this because this might feel like bragging, Like, look at me. Look what God did for me, all right? I just also want to call that out, and I want to say, you are not, whatever God did for you and however he showed up for you, it's not about you. You didn't earn that. You didn't. You suck. I mean, you don't. I love you. You're great. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you stand up here and you share about God's love in your life and the display of that, that's not about you, that's about God. And so we just need to remove that feeling of like, ooh, people are going to like think that I'm like bragging. Like God loves me better than everybody else. No. No. So we're just going to remove that. And again, if nobody, nobody shares, that's okay. We, we don't have to feel pressure. But this is just an opportunity and a space for us to brag on God, not ourselves. To share how God is, how we're experiencing the love of God and how he's showing up. In our community of people. Okay? So here's the mic. And just make sure it's on. Yep, there it goes. And uh, ready? Go, whenever you're ready.
1: I didn't put up. Nope, did not. Hello. That's really loud. Well um, so some of you may know this. Some of you may not know this. But um, my sister has lived in Germany for about seven years. Um, she moved there. Uh, she got a really good job with a cancer research um, organization in Heidelberg. And uh, because she's like super smarty pants, um, she yeah moved there um, with her family. And they yeah have been making a go over there. Um, the thing that happened for me recently was I got a chance to go and visit her um, in Germany for the first time and uh, see her two little boys and uh, be, uh, she had asked me to be one of the godparents for their newest little guy and so got to be a part of his baptism and got to be a part of that ceremony and um, yeah, meet some of the friends and like just people that they have connected with in Germany. Um, But what for me, was like a super big highlight um, in this time was my sister and I had, had a chance to kind of just walk around the city where, you know, where she worked and um, and uh, just kind of like reconnect almost after all the, the baptism and the friends and the food and the, all the things. And uh, it was a really awesome, like, healing time for us. Um, and there was a lot of, like, things that hadn't been said or, like, pieces of things that each of us had kind of like heard from either our, our parents or our siblings or, um, and and it was this really great time uh, to just like kind of get all those cards on the table and say, hey, actually, like, you know, this is really what was going on, and this is like really what's been going on, and this is how bad things have been, or this is how good things are now, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It just was like... It was a very, uh, it was a much needed time, um, but I think also within me there was some some fear going there of being like, man, I don't know, she might be like, you know, still holding some sort of weird sibling grudge, you know, from like years and years and years, and then now I get to Germany, and she's like, I have you, so now I'm going to like fire hose you with this, all this information, so, um, but yeah, it wasn't anything like that. It was very, it was very pleasant, very, very healing, and so I really am thankful that, um, I know that it was it was a sacrifice for me to be away um and it was a sacrifice for yeah for her as well to kind of uh host me there because you know she 's working and she 's got family and all that stuff so um but yeah, just very thankful that we were able to heal some of those things um and also create new connections and and bridges so
2: I'll try to do the short version because I'm James. I'm James. Keba waved me over to this side, I guess for the camera. Okay, so, uh, so my understanding of God's love in my life has kind of been a slow burn over the past six years or so. Um, In 2018, I was four years, yeah, four years into my military contract, and I did not want to re-up, and that was supposed to be my career, and so I was really nervous about what to do. So I was working at Planet Fitness, and there was a girl who used to come in just to tan because she could pay a fifth of the price. just tan so she did that Uh, we would talk every day and one day she was like you don't like your job do you and I was like well I mean if you can see it on my face that's bad (laughs) so she said uh, I can get you a job working as an electrician and I said I don't have any experience doing that she said you don't need any I can drop my name I know you're a good worker I can get you in there so from 2018 or 2016 sorry 2016 to 2018 I worked as an electrician, I hit the ground running, and most of it was a shock to me each and every day, pun intended, Um, that's right, that's right. And then uh, in 2018, um, one of the guys at my unit had started in an electrician's apprenticeship on this side of the bridge, I was in Salisbury, across the Bay Bridge. And so we started talking, and he said, come on, man, you should come over to this side. You should join the apprenticeship. I was like, man, I don't know. Like, I didn't make it in school, in college. I went for three and a half years, didn't want to be a psychologist, and didn't want to try again. So I don't know if I want to do school again. He was like, man, you're already doing the work, and maybe it'll be better this time. So I took the leap, joined the apprenticeship, started in 2018, and I have six classes left before I'm done. Uh which is kind of nerve-wracking too because it means I'll be an electrician. <laughs> and so people will look at me and ask me to fix things that I may not know how to fix. <laughs> but all that to say, uh this entire time every year I've thought to myself like, "Thank you, Lord." Like I didn't eat like literally every year that I passed. I passed with very good grades with no knowledge of how that happened. Um, And I think it was God showing me that not if I'm faithful, he'll be faithful, but like, hey, man, I acknowledge that you are faithful. So I'm doing the same thing, just so you know. So like, again, six classes left is a huge thing for me because this was like all my eggs, all of them in one basket. And the Lord was faithful to me, so...
3: pregnant, so I might be really emotional, so forgive me. Um, and I hate public speaking, but I felt like the Lord kept nudging me. Um, oh, thank you. Keba. My name is Keba Moley. Um, about six years ago, um, there was a period in my life where I was experiencing a lot of loss. I lost my grandmother, my sister, but um, I lost my sister in a tragic car accident. And and I had back-to-back losses, topic pregnancy, and a miscarriage. Um, and I just remember it being the lowest point in my life. And I couldn't reconcile who I knew God was with everything that was happening in my life. And... I just remember just thinking I would never have kids, I would never experience the relationships again with another woman that I had with my sister. And a couple months after we had our last miscarriage, I got pregnant with my first daughter. Um, And I remember delivering her and it was this overwhelming feeling of God's goodness and just a A reprise of like his love and his promise um and who he was and it was like a tangible feeling um that I probably had never experienced prior and probably since but I just remember um her coming and her just bringing new light into my life and like daily my kids just constantly remind me of God's goodness and his love and his patience um And even in the way that I care for them, it kind of reminds me, like, God's love for me is even bigger than the love that I have for them. So I'm so grateful for my children. And then I get to have another girl, my third, and my my daughter gets to experience having a sister, and I just, I prayed for that. And so I'm just grateful for his love. (laughs)
4: be able to, there we go, with a bang. Okay, so, whoo, nice right in the light, isn't it? (laughs) Um, I also, too, do not like public speaking, um, but God always provides, that's the bottom line. Um, (laughs) The reason it took me so long to get up here, because it's like, which one? Which one do I talk about? Because it's just one after the other after the other. Um, now, sometimes he lets you get right up to the wire. <laughs> As Pastor kind of chuckles, because I, I bring her coming, my over to the wire needs. Um, and I'll just go with one of the last wire ones. Um, actually, there are several of them. <laughs> um, many of you know my dad had heart surgery, um, my dad has had several heart surgeries. Um, but this one ended up being kind of almost being a real, real big one. Um, he had a aortic valve that needed to replace. Um, he had open heart surgery back in 2010, which was, it's a big, you don't want open heart surgery. Um, you don't want it when you're 84. My dad's 84, put him in high, high risk. And, you know, you know your dad's going to die, you know, when he gets up to a certain age. You you, kind of like, you know these things, you know it's happened, but you don't want it to happen. So it's like, God, not yet. <laughs> Please not yet. Because uh, my mom did die five years ago. So I've kind of been keeping him going. And uh, my brother and I. Uh, so... Sure enough, we went on Tuesday, and uh, it's called a tavern, the non-open heart. And it is amazing to me. And uh, I went in just as peaceful. Dad went in as peaceful because we had prayer warriors, quite a few in here, uh, that gave that peace. And it is amazing to have peace in a non-peaceful situation. And I am just praise God because they just, it was just as smooth as it could possibly be. We got there. Of course, I had to drive at dark at 4.30 in the morning, the non-smooth part. Uh, But I didn't hit anything. (laughs) There's that. Uh, I'm not supposed to drive at dark. (laughs) But God got us there. I did look at that at one moment. Are you scared? He said, it's a little shaky. Uh, But, again, I did not hit anything. So we got there, got him in. Uh, Amazingly, they went in, blew out the old valve, put in a new valve. And in two days, I got him home. And, you know, we're still healing, but God is great. And he's amazing, and he always, always provides. May not be how you see it, let me put that caveat, but he always provides, so. I'm just thankful and grateful. Oh, and I did get to talk to somebody in the waiting room about God uh, as I was waiting for my dad to come out. We'll see. Well, I may never know. But anyhow, some seeds were planted. So, yeah, God is always right there. He's always with you. And I'm thankful. Okay, does anybody want to come up? (laughs)
5: There you go. Oh, <laughs> okay, so when I put it back, Zach, you want it crooked like this? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes. perfect. So degrees, perfect. So I'm Janine. Um, we have been um, in the midst of a, a month or two of um, harassment from one of our our neighbors um, that we actually have had to call the police had um, to go file restraining orders um, last week. But the way we've seen God's goodness in that, oh, man, I was not gonna cry. The way we've seen God's goodness in that is um, we felt like the kids and myself needed to get out of our home. Um, And um, so we reached out um, about some emergency housing, just like putting feelers out there in a couple different places, and we were still kind of waiting to see what would happen. And then um, we decided a few days later we needed to use it, and we checked back in. And they said, great, we went in there and cleaned it just in case you needed it. And to me, that was such, a, such evidence of um, God's love. And um, it really, I wasn't quite able to articulate it, but the first song that Zach led us in, there was a line that said, um, he goes before you. And I've always been pretty solid in, like God is with us. Um, you know, he's right beside us. He's with us. He will restore us. He will help us. But this idea of like going before us um, really struck me anew. This morning gave me the verbiage for that, that he had prepared all that for us. So that was a very tangible, yeah, tangible show of God's love and faithfulness to us.
0: There's something amazing that happens when we just don't know the love of God, but we experience it and we sense it. And so Paul's prayer for all of us is that we would be so sensitized to the Holy Spirit, that we would see the love of God, that we would taste it, we would know it, we would sense it, that we'd know the length and depth and width, that we would be empowered with all of the people to be filled beyond measure with the love of God, that it overflows into our lives. Now, my invitation for you this week is to actually uh, practice that. I know that that seems like a weird thing to practice knowing the love of God. Um, But one thing that you can do uh, is practice grasping it. Practice being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Practice wrestling it into your innermost being. And if you've never done that before, um, a way that I practice doing that is actually through journaling. Uh, It's this practice of sort of writing down something that is true about God (laughs) and then begin to think of all of the ways that it either you see evidence of that around you or you struggle to see that playing out in a different area of your life and then keep hammering it. God, I know that you are gracious, but in this area, I don't feel grace. And so what are you doing and how does this look? And, And maybe I could maybe see you showing up here that you would journal that as best you can. And if others of you are like, I don't write, like I don't like journaling, I don't like writing, if you want to take a walk and you want to talk and speak out loud to the air of God, I do not see you in this space, I do not sense your love right now, but I want to. So, oh, my soul, God loves you deep and wide and long. Would you know it? Would you sense it? And if you are not a person that walks and talks to the air, then I invite you to do whatever it is that you do, whether it's garden or draw or uh, hike or build model airplanes, whatever it is that you do, that you would do it in a way that allows you to wrestle that into your innermost being, that you would practice what Paul has prayed for us. 2,000 years ago, and what, what is still being desired for us and prayed for us about, about the, with all of us together, right? right? Let's pray together, and then we're going to uh, sing one more song in order to uh, worship our Heavenly Father, who has blessed us beyond measure. Father God, we are so grateful for you. We are grateful for your love, and we are sorry that, like, we confess that we don't always get it. That we, we can know it and we can hear it, but, but we miss it over and over again. We're like these little kids that like, don't uh, feel the love of our parents even though they're providing for us and they're feeding us and they're comforting us. Like we just miss it all the time. And so, Father God, I ask that you would uh, just surround us with your love, but, but that you would also empower us to strengthen our innermost being, to be sensitive to it, to wrestle it into ourselves, so that we might be filled and transformed, so we may walk into the spaces that we live, work, and play, overflowing with your love, that it would pour out into our actions and our words and the way we treat others. We are so thankful for the evidence of your love that people have testified here today. And Father, we are so grateful for you and what you are doing. Father, we pray all of these things in your holy and your precious name. Amen.